Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. Hello, uh, this is Chris Schoblum. I'm, I'm an economist and research director at the Washington Research Council. With me today is our research analyst, Emily Makings. So tell me, Emily, what have you seen that you think we should share today? The Washington Health Benefit Exchange has released its final enrollment numbers for the 2014-15 um, open enrollment period under the Federal Affordable Care Act for health insurance. And they did not meet their enrollment goals. New enrollees in private plans through the exchange met only 78.8% of the exchange's goal for this enrollment period. And renewals in private plans were only 70.3% of the goal. And this is important because the exchange's budget is based partially on the number of enrollees in the, in the system. So it's unclear how the budget will be affected, but they're probably going to need to be augmented by the state budget process. So it'll be interesting to see how much the state is willing to give the exchange to make up for the, the low enrollment numbers that it's had. Also from the enrollment report, it notes that the premium per person without federal assistance via tax credits was $384.19, while the premium per person with assistance was $174.38. And about 77% of people who enrolled for coverage um, did receive federal tax credits to offset the cost of the premiums. However, there was a, also an article in the New York Times about the national enrollment trends. And there are a lot of people who are concerned that the state exchanges and federal exchange are running out of momentum in enrolling people. And according to them, Washington did not increase its share of the potential market enrolled from 2014 to 2015. And it signed up about 30% of its potential market, which are really, which is a low number. And so there are a number of um, national analysts who are kind of worried about what this portends for the federal exchange going forward. Yeah, you, one can posit that you have people who've gone out and uh, you know, with enthusiasm signed up for insurance uh, last year and then right. came through the year. At the end of the year, they found, found that they had been paying in premiums and they hadn't actually been uh, been make much in the way of claims and they, they do a quick uh, narrow-sided um, cost-benefit analysis and say, well, it just wasn't worthwhile. Right. But of course, you know, insurance is you pay a little bit every year and then you get a, a big return in, in the years where you're unfortunate. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. Yes. I did, just did a blog post um, looking at wage inequality in the, in the Seattle area and um, comparing that with the national numbers. This, uh, this is a blog post that people can look at on online, uh, and we'll have a link to it I here mm -hmm. with it. The short th thing is that uh, wage inequality is lower in Seattle uh, than it is in Silicon Valley and in uh, uh, San Francisco in particular. When you take a look at, the, at various measures, uh, looking at, I was looking at the top 25 metro area, uh, areas uh, using data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics on hourly pay. And generally, we're in the middle among the, um, among the cities by various different measures you can look at. Uh, one that 
I cited uh, particularly had us 15 out of the 25 in, in, um, in labor index. Uh, what was interesting is that if you take a look at uh, the distribution of wages at the bottom end, um, looking at the statistically the 10th percentile, that means that the, the wage uh, at which uh, 10% of the workforce uh, earn or, or have a lower level, uh, we ranked second among the 25 cities. So we're relatively very good place if you're, if you're in that slice of the labor market. Uh, and we ranked fifth at the top end, at the 90th percentile. So relatively speaking, uh, the folks at the bottom end are doing better here than folks at the top end. Although at both ends, they're doing very well compared to the, the nation as a whole. That's all. That's, uh, that's good news. And, and actually, there was a Brookings study that made the press a couple of weeks ago where if you looked under the numbers, uh, there was a similar pattern that uh, at, the, at the bottom end of, the, of household distribution among 50 cities, we ranked third. And at the top end among um, the 50 cities, we ranked fifth. And these measures were household incomes, not just pay rates. So they're picking up multiple um, earners in a household and also non-wage income. Uh, but all in all, uh, the Seattle area is a, is a good place to live at either end of the income distribution. <laughs> so you had something else to talk about today? Yeah, along those lines, actually, on the, the lower end, I guess, in Seattle, of course, as everybody knows by now, the minimum wage is going to be increasing on uh, April 1st. And it's increasing gradually. But some restaurants are already taking actions um, regarding the, the change. Ivers announced that it will increase wages um, to its staff immediately to $15. And as part of that, they're actually going to a new system and they will not be, they will be discouraging tipping by patrons. Ivers says that their staff will be getting the same amount as they had been before, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The way that they're going to do this is, according to a Seattle Times article, is that the price for each menu item will go up 21%, which is a combination of 17% to make up for lost tips and 4% to cover raising the minimum wage and increased food and operating costs. So then they'll divide that 21% additional money among waitresses and waiters and bussers and hostesses and all of all of the entire staff. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. People are very used to the tipping model and this is a whole new way of doing things in response to the increased cost that the higher minimum wage brings. Yep. Uh, I understand that in Europe that tipping is, is unusual. Right. So, so this is moving more to a, a European style. And I, you have to say it's probably, an in, at least for some of the supporters of the minimum wage legislation, it's an intended consequence. Uh, right. Because there were some, some folks who were talking about how exploitive a system of tipping yes. is. But um, I thought about that this morning also when I saw an article that quoted Seattle Councilwoman Swant saying that people should not go to Ivers because they're not allowing tipping anymore. So I'm not really sure where how that all plays out, but it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens going forward. Yes. Uh, this has been Chris Shoblum and Emily Makings from the Washington Research Council. 
In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.